On today's episode of the Everyday Marksman, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite subject, buying gear. But I'm not going to do it the way everybody else tells you what gear to buy. This is going to be a different approach, and we're going to outline a new gear buying philosophy, a hierarchy, a pyramid of how you should spend your money. Are you ready? Well, good. Welcome to the Everyday Marksman, the podcast where it's all about tactical skills for living a more adventurous life. I'm your host, Matt Robertson, and our website is everydaymarksman.co. There you're going to find today's show notes, all of our episodes, our YouTube channel, and our awesome community of marksmen. Now, as a shortcut for you, I actually have tagged today's show notes at a shortcut URL, so everydaymarksman.co forward slash gear. You go to that one, you're going to hit this episode show notes page. It's quite thorough, and I've uploaded a bunch of graphics because I want to talk through what these pyramids and ideas look like. So make sure you reference that one later. Share it with your friends. It's a good topic. Now, let's get into why am I talking about gear today? Why am I skipping past the usual Scenario X intros I've been doing? Well, so for the next several episodes, we're going to be talking a lot more specifically about some of these topics, like what belt to get or radio gear or medical equipment. What does this look like? How do I do that? And I don't want you to get the impression that you have to go out and buy these things or you're going to be dead in the streets, <laughs> right? I, I hate when people talk about that uh, because the reality is for the most part, if we're in an emergency situation, you're not going to get into a fire. Your chances of getting into a sustained firefight are very, very slim. They're not zero, but they're slim, all right? And I think most people in the gun world get too wrapped up in this idea of preparing for the world without rule of law, and they just kind of forget, hey, there's some more realistic things to do. So in this podcast episode, I want to dig into my new approach for suggesting the order to buy gear, as well as what training should go along with that. So let's get to it. The first thing we'll talk about is how the military thinks about this. You know, if you've ever hung around a lot of message boards or talked about gear, you, you've bound to come across this idea of first line, second line, and third line equipment. There's a little variations to this, but what do those mean? Well, here's the summer, summary version. First line equipment is your core essentials to survive. It usually means the clothing you wear, the items in your pockets, including a first aid kit, like a soap dish size survival kit, and land nav gear, and so on. Some people include things like a belt with a fixed blade knife, canteen, or even a handgun. I've even seen this go up to a battle belt, which is probably not quite right. Now, the second line gear is your primary fighting equipment. Think load-bearing harness, chest rigs, a full combat load of magazines, you know, larger IFACs or first aid kits, smokes, and all that stuff that's useful in a firefight. The third line equipment is what you live out of in the field. It's usually a large rucksack. Now, the intent is that a military unit would have their first, second, and third line with them marching out into the field, and as they get close to the engagement, they'll drop the rucks. So they'll drop their third line, and they'll go fight off their first and second lines. And when the fight's over, assuming they win, they go back and retrieve their rucks and continue on living in the field. There's another way to look at this one. I believe it's the British or it's the Rangers. I could be wrong. But it says, survive out of your pockets, fight off your belt, and live out of your ruck. So what do I think this gets wrong? Well, the problem here is it actually makes a lot of sense. You know, if you're someone who doesn't have any other resources to work from, it makes total sense to use the military as a model. 
The issue here is the difference in mission between a military combat unit and a neighborhood protection team during Scenario X. In our situation, the chances of needing those six or more magazines to engage in a firefight is slim. The priority instead should shift more towards your day-to-day survival of the group and not necessarily fighting. It should be avoiding a fight. And then when the fight actually comes, you want to have enough training to understand what you're doing. Otherwise, you're going to be clumsy and inefficient. Because clumsy and inefficient gets you dead when high-speed party favors start flying. Uh, Jokes aside, uh, if you haven't seen that YouTube channel, uh, definitely check it out. Um, You know... I, there's a lot of ways we can go with this one. So, you know, let's let's skip past the party favors gag at the moment and talk about our gear buying hierarchy. You know, where did this come from? All right. Not long ago, a community member in the Discord server, shout out Ross, posted the Gearamid. It was produced by the guys over at Reddit's Quality Tactical Gear Sub. And a little bit while after that, there was an updated version um, put out on YouTube called the Gearamid 2.0. Now, I thought this concept is really interesting. But there was a lot of things about it that I didn't like. You know, the 2.0 version came a lot closer. But overall, I didn't like it because it came across too, shall I say, LARPy. Like like it was people who were trying to emulate Black Powder Red Earth without thinking bigger picture of what's realistic for an everyday civilian. They were jumping right to relatively advanced things. So I thought a little bit more about how this fits into our proposed LERTCON system that I talked about in another episode. And how I would sit down with a brand new person who doesn't even own a gun yet and explain, hey, here's where you start, and if you get serious, here's the next step, and then the next step after that, and the next step after that. So before I go into the details of this, keep in mind that this entire thing is not all-inclusive. There's a lot of variations, you know, mission sets and goals people are going to have. So the way I look at this is just, this is the baseline. This is a guide, if you will, to get somebody started It's not just about scenario X, just a progression of gear that grows along with a skill level. All right, so our pyramid has six layers. Basic, patrol, sustain, scout, fight, and special. I'll say those again, and we'll go down each one. Basic, patrol, sustain, scout, fight, and special. Now let's start with the bottom layer, basic equipment, which I call the fundamentals and everyday carry. The basic equipment level is just where everybody is going to start at some point. I have two sides to this. There's WAM, or weapons, hydration, ammunition, and medical. And then there's PPE, your personal protective equipment. Right Now on the, the WAM side of things, I, you, know, you need a reliable rifle and a handgun. I'm not even going to pick which rifle and handgun you should buy. That's a very personal thing, but they do need to be reliable. And you need maintenance equipment to take care of them. So lubricants, tools, cleaning gear, uh, things you need to do to adjust the sights, all of that fits into that category. All right, so that's just the weapon and maintenance equipment. You also need a way to retain your weapon. You need a way to illuminate your target, and you need sighting devices. If you recall a conversation about the minimum capable carbine, it's exactly the same principles there. So for a rifle, that's a sling, a weapon light, and if not iron sight, some kind of optic. With a pistol, that's a holster, that is a handheld flashlight or a weapon-mounted light, and you know your sights or an optic. I'm not noticing an optic at this point. All right, now on top of the weapon and your retention, 
and your illumination and such, you need three reliable magazines for each weapon. Just three. A lot of people jump out the gate saying, no, you need 10, you need 20, you need 100 if you're Clint. And I get where that comes from, but if you're brand new at this, you don't need that many. Three is plenty. Three works great for one in the gun and then one each in your jeans pockets. And that is enough to get started. All right, I'll speed this up. Then you need reliable ammunition. You need a pocket size medical blowout kit for handling like a gunshot wound or a big cut and a multi-tool. All right, so that's on the weapons and medical and hydration side. Uh, on the PPE side, ballistic rated eye protection. I really think I need to emphasize ballistic rated. Don't go to you know Walmart and buy a $10 pair of safety glasses. Maybe they work, maybe they don't. Invest in real eye protection. It'll last you a long time and it will work a lot better. I promise you, if you need prescription inserts, then go ahead and do that there. You also need both in-ear and on-ear hearing protection. So foamies, you know, for in the ear and then some kind of electronic outer. You don't need electronic. I think you should have electronic, but then that hard shell outer and wear both together. No, it's not comfortable, but you'll like it a lot better than losing your hearing in 15 years. All right. You're going to want gloves. This protects your hands from heat as well as abrasion. So things like mechanics, pig gloves, the flight gloves, all that stuff. Good clothing and shoes. So don't go to the range and train and flip-flops. Uh, use real shoes and real clothing. And then bad weather gear. So you're thinking poncho, cold weather, stuff like that. All right. On the whole, all of this stuff, which it sounds like a lot, and it's, it, it's, it is an investment, but it's not as much investment as everything else. This is everything a new gun owner needs to start practicing and even getting some basic level training, right? Getting through the EDC, concealed carry, home defense, it's all there. Now let's talk about the training for the basic level. Assuming somebody has done nothing, well, they're going to need basic firearm safety from someone qualified to teach it, by the way. They're going to need basic marksmanship fundamentals training. I think Project Appleseed's the way to go. You're going to want basic medical training. Stop the Bleed, for example, is a great program. Then you start getting to actual employment stuff, so defensive handgun, defensive defensive carbine, and probably concealed carry course. I know I have links to all of this, uh, at least some suggested courses for this, in the, the post for this episode. So again, everydaymarksman.co forward slash gear. Now let's go to the next layer, patrol equipment. Now we're more serious about how we're carrying our weapon and feeding it. We're looking at the basic gear for working outside for long periods of time. Now in scenario X, this would be like the basic loadout kit for a small team of neighborhood defenders at that LurkCon 4, LurkCon 3. We now incorporate a battle belt with two pistol mags, two rifle mags, a first aid kit, and a holster. Hey, if you want to add a canteen pouch, go for it. Uh, Not required though. Now I'm not picky picky here about a molly belt versus that whole inner outer setup with a velcro both 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 work fine uh just do keep discretion in mind you don't want this thing to be super high profile because you know early on maybe discretion is the the name of the game and you want to wear it under your clothing and you can't do that if it's too bulky all right so just keep that in mind other items to consider here is a fixed blade knife you know a field knife not a fighting knife because you're going to want to do cutting carving, you know, starting fires, bushcrafty stuff. You're also going to want to look at land navigation. So not just a GPS unit, that's good to have, but definitely also look at a compass, topographic maps, and a protractor. You want ways to signal for help or signal what's going on without a radio. 
I'm not talking radios yet. So I'm talking like a signal, signal mirror, a whistle, a high vis panel, maybe smoke grenades. All right. And then I'm also talking fire building tools, like at least two ways to start a fire, you know, lighters, ferrocene rods, paraffin cubes, all that fun stuff. I left out radios because that's going to come later. And I think most people are better served at this, you know, lower levels of the pyramids, learn the basics of good communication, even just with voice or with other signals. All right. Now, once somebody has a complete set of patrol kit, as long with the basic kit, like that's fine. They can probably hang out there forever. As far as I'm concerned, they have everything they need to actually start doing more serious training and competing. And I know I'm going to get the question of him out. Why three mags total, even at the patrol level? Remember, the work not at war and we're not advancing to contact anywhere. The goal was to remain light, mobile, and in that defensive posture. All right. You're not getting in a pitched firefight. Uh, and if 90 rounds of rifle ammo you know, per person is not enough to break contact or deter a threat, then that's a very different set of problems. Um, you know, so separate conversation. That said, if you're really out actively patrolling, in a community during a disaster, then we'll talk about the sustainment layer next, and I think that's going to help out. All right, so let's talk about the training for the patrol level. Now we're getting serious. All right, there's not new things to learn compared to the basic level, but now we're going to spend a lot more time practicing what's already been learned and start competing. All right, now I am going to include a small unit tactics course here as an option. Um, you know, it's a good thing to see, but overall what I'm saying is someone should go do land navigation training, some survival training that covers things like building a fire, shelters, water purification, signaling, that fun stuff, and then start competing in action shooting. Two gun matches, steel challenges, you know, NRAs, America's rifle challenges, those are all really good ways to learn to use your gear well. Then if you want to do something like a small unit tactics, you know, I, I have a link on the article for this one for MVT's uh, level or heat one combat team tactics. I've done that course. It's a fantastic course really opens your eyes but it's also you know a little more expensive has a little bit more gear intensive not everyone be ready to jump to it at this level so now we're through the basics which is your fundamentals in edc and we're up through patrol which is about that defensive survival situation it's mostly defense now let's talk about sustainment which is about persisting and defending so now we're talking more about how to be comfortable in the field not more fighting gear all right, it's more how do I better have better stuff with me to keep me going for the next 24 hours. So item number one is you need a backpack, something in the 15 to 20 liter size. So it's small. It's more like a large general purpose bag that goes on your on your back and it stays there. Now in this small pack, you're going to keep uh, a emergency shelter kit, 24 hours of nutritional needs, like two broken down MREs or some snack bars, you know, uh, munchies some water purification kit and extra water, extra medical supplies like a boo-boo kit, uh, things that are not your typical trauma kit, but are still useful to have, and extra ammunition you know, stored in magazines and bandoliers. Now, speaking of ammunition, at this point, everyone in your group and you should own at least six reliable magazines per primary weapon. So we've gone from three at the first two levels of the pyramid, now up to six. And then you can keep those extra three magazines in your pack. Now, the goal here is continuing your existing patrol and basic loads and then adding the backpack to keep you going for 24 hours just away. All right. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of questions about 
Why didn't I put extra ammo on a chest rig? And to me right now, the answer is a matter of posture. In our DEF CON conversation, I was very clear that you don't always want to put up a hostile posture to people who don't know who you are. Uh, they think you're the aggressor. So if you've got three magazines on you, one in the gun, two on the belt, and three more in your pack, that's not as threatening. That's enough to break contact, get somewhere safe, and then we can refresh your belt from there while, while you wait for help to come. Now, if you want to go buy that cool guy chest, chest rig right now, sure, go for it. It's not necessary, though. That said, I do think there is room here for like an extra, like a larger rucksack and something that 30 to 45 liter, um, just to give you the extra capacity. But it shouldn't be a priority because my experience has always been if you buy the bigger ruck pack, you're going to fill it with stuff that you didn't need. And that makes you heavy and unwieldy and ungangly. And I'll play that clip again. Because clumsy and inefficient gets you dead when high speed party favors start flying. All right, so let's talk about the training going to go along with sustainment layer. There's not, again, anything particularly new here to cover the sustainment level. It's about refining the things you've already learned and then building on that with a little bit, just that next extra layer. All right, so really what I would say is at this point, look back at the other training I've suggested and start doing stuff that you didn't do before. Like if you skipped the small unit tactics class before, now is a good time to go back and do it. Now, if you have done all that stuff, then this is also a really good time to start putting it more together with field exercises. And the best place I think to do this is like the One Shepherd Leadership Institute. Uh, Doc Larson has been a guest on the YouTube channel uh, twice now. And it's just awesome dude, awesome guy, great curriculum, great program he has out there. Now there's three courses I think stand out to me in their catalog for this layer. All right, they review all the concepts. By this point, you would have already seen in previous courses, but it's bumping it to that next level by doing it with a team against an opposing force. All right, and those courses are the Warrior Basic course, which is again going to be a lot of repetition of what you've already seen, fundamentals, but now you start also including uh, mile systems or force on force. You get to work with some radio skills, so you're previewing what's coming up in the next layers. You get to work with some night vision gear. Uh, field phones and seeing what it means to shoot, move, and communicate over a longer period. There's the One Shepherd land navigation course, which is, again, map reading, using using your compass, how to do pace counts, dead reckoning, terrain association, all really great skills for living out in the field without GPS. And their warrior advanced course, which, again, is we're going to refresh on these bushcraft skills. So you're going to see things like emergency medical, water purification, construction of shelters, camouflage, and you know, camouflaging yourself in your position, building positions, uh, different point man tactics and procedures, radio theory, again, building on those earlier skills of good communication and survival. All right, now we're on to the scout level, which I talk about as like intelligence gathering. Now, I've gone back and forth on what to call this one in the pyramid, but I call it the scout layer to emphasize the gathering of information and providing early warning. Because the goal here is still to avoid the fight. And the best way to avoid the fight is to know that it's coming. Now, I could also have called this like the specialization layer because it's the first place where I don't think everybody in your group needs to invest in the same things. Like to this point, everybody should follow that same structure. You know, your basic safety PPE, wham, your patrol kit of a belt and some magazines and, and a light backpack. At the scout layer, now you start seeing some specialization. All right. Now, if you yourself want to be a completely well-rounded citizen, then, hey, like, go ahead and buy everything. It's just going to be more expensive to do it. 
All right, let's get to it. Now in this layer, we start seeing observation kits. So things like good binoculars, spotting scopes, telescopes, uh, stuff that you're going to use to look out there and see what's coming your way. Not talking night vision yet though. Though I could probably see something like inexpensive thermal in here. Um, not the point. You're going to talk about line of sight radio now. All right, so things like VHF and UHF because you're you're going to be now beyond your scouting and your you know being a lookout in a listening or observation post. You're now beyond visual and auditory range to just yell out with or or using a whistle to signal something. So now we're talking about radios, which means learning how to write an SOI. We're talking additional digging and cutting tools, things to construct shelters and hide stuff that if you had done the one shepherd training, you already would be familiar with, and now you're going to own the equipment to do that again. All right, so you see how these things are now building on top of each other. Now, also at this level, I do think it's important to get up to 10 magazines per primary weapon. So we've gone from three at the first two layers to six at the sustainment layer, now to 10 at this primary layer. All right, that's going to help give you some redundancy and just give you the extra buffer room, especially for more training. Now, speaking of training, what happens at the scout level? Now we're, we're getting into a, a wider set of skills and they're not necessarily as tactical anymore, like you know, getting into a firefight because you're still competing. You've still done those basics. You're still going to shooting matches and doing stuff. So now we're broadening our skill set. That means going out and getting your amateur radio license. Start with technician. Go to the brush beater RTO basic course and the brush beater scout and recce course. Wilderness Medical Association advanced medical course. And the Pathfinder School, Bushcraft 101, those are all kind of building out these additional skill sets. Now, there, I did mention the Brush Beater Scout Recce course. Uh, Max Velocity Tactical does have a recce course. It has a similar objective, so you don't have to do both of those. But definitely pick one. They'd be good. And then also some kind of advanced land navigation course. Now, this is a lot of training, and these courses have a lot of overlap between them, especially if you've already done everything to this point. So... Look at them and say, hey, I think I've got that one covered. Let me go do something else I find more interesting to my knees right now. All right, so now we're up through the first four layers. We've done basic, patrol, sustain, and scout. Now we get to fight, which is about winning the fight. So far, we tried avoiding the fight, and now the fight is, is unavoidable. We've moved on from LurkCon 3 to LurkCon 2, Conflict is now likely, and we want to set up that aggressive posture and capability. All right, so we're talking supplementary load-carrying gear. Now, this could just be a chest rig, which you wear in conjunction with your battle belt from the patrol layer, and that, along with your assault pack for statement level, just gives you huge flexibility. Like You already own all of that gear, so throwing on the extra chest rig is really no big deal. You know, three or four extra magazines. Now, as an alternative, you could also switch something like a load-bearing harness, that's going to replace both the battle belt and the chest rig and probably a small assault pack. It's a great all-in-one solution that militaries have been using for generations up until very recently when everybody was riding around in vehicles. If you haven't done it yet, um, I think as you've gone through the rest of your gear so far, now you start wanting spare parts. You've, you, shoot, you probably have been collecting them anyway, but now you want spare bolts bolt carriers, springs, triggers, things that start to break down as you practice and compete more often. Now, as a pro tip, when it comes to bolt carriers and bolts in the field, carry around a complete bolt carrier group, not just a spare bolt. This is a pro tip I got from Scott, one of the instructors at MVT. 
Um, the idea here is that if you're out in the field, not necessarily in a firefight, you're just in the field and your bolt breaks for some reason or something snaps on your rifle, usually it's the bolt, then you don't have to like field strip it and lose parts out there. You can just pop the takedown pin, pull out the old bolt carrier, take a new one out of a, out of a flare tube you were storing it in, drop it in the rifle and away you go. All right, don't worry about field stripping down small bits in the field. Things tend to get lost. Now, I will admit that notably lacking from the fight layer here is plates and plate carriers. I probably could have put it here, but I did put it in the next level of special items, and I'm going to explain why in a moment. All right. Um, but I think going back to what the average level of physical fitness is for people, I think it's again more important to just stay mobile and light uh, and then worry about that much more special gear when we get to that. All right. Nothing. I'm going to come back to it. So what training do we have at the fight level? Well, now we're focused on winning a firefight with your group. So the next level of team tactics applies, especially force on force training. So things like, again, MVT, you have their combat or tactical combat patrol course and their squad tactics course. You have one shepherd's light leaders course and their STX and FTX simulation. So again, I have links to all these at everydaymarksman.co forward slash gear. These are incredible curriculums. Uh, and if you have done all the training up to this point, then it's just a great way to tie it all together. And then we get to the specialty level, which is just these extra capabilities. It's the apex of the pyramid. We are now finding things that require a much larger investment of time and resources to learn and employ. All right. The best way to think about the specialty level is that it supplements the lower levels of the hierarchy when you need it to. All right. But you really should not consider spending money here until you've covered the rest of your bases. All right. So like don't don't think you need to go get a plate carrier if you haven't done you know, your backpack yet, because you're far more likely to need a backpack with some extra supplies in it than you are a plate carrier or night vision. Now, I said, I keep saying plate carrier, ballistic plates are here and they will definitely supplement the fight level, but good plates are expensive and they absolutely are going to reduce your mobility through both weight and heat retention. So they can be invaluable for saving your life in a fight, but they could also slow you down if you're not physically fit, which one's more important. Like you're more likely to get shot if you're slow. So which is more important to you? Now, if you're going to do CQB, don't okay, plates are a requirement. Just go ahead and get them. Night vision also is also not a plug-and-play thing like most people think. You know, moving around at night under nods is a learning experience and one that can be pretty costly in not just broken equipment but medical bills if you step into a hole or, or poke yourself in the face with a stick that you didn't see because your nods weren't focused close enough. It's a learning curve, and you don't want to make a very expensive mistake. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Now, at the special level, I do have high-end communications here. So with that, I mean things like high-frequency bands, stuff that you can bounce off the ionosphere and get really long-range communications. We're talking SIGINT tools, mesh networking, uh, brevity matrices or matrices, whatever it's pronounced, and all the other stuff that's going to take a long time to get good at. This is a specialty. So treat it like one uh, that applies also to advanced medical equipment that I have listed in the pyramid, because this, this is like first off life-saving things. So really think EMT training and beyond and a shout out on this one, medical training to uh, my friend, Justin at Swift silent Dudley, who earlier this week when this podcast is launching, published a post on his blog where he went through uh, his paramedic jump pack 
going through like this is what it looks like to have more advanced medical supplies i thought it was a really great post so definitely check it out now what did i not talk about at this pyramid well other weapons because really in the graphic on this on this post i there wasn't room to write it but i do think this is relevant to talk about all right once we get up to the specialty level we're also talking about different kinds of weapon configurations you know second weapons so if you have gone this far with an ar-15 or a shotgun or something else now you're considering a second weapon so you're looking at a dmr or a precision rifle or an automatic rifleman configuration and you're gonna say hey matt what is an automatic rifleman configuration i'm glad you asked this is something i picked up from brent 0331 uh, watching his live streams again with doc larson and less and there the idea here is a weapon that can sustain a high rate of fire. So if an AR-15, that's going to mean a, a heavy barrel, a uh, drum mag or high capacity, very high capacity magazine. And, you know, if you can swing it, if the ATF lets us, like a binary trigger. All right. But the interesting point is it's not about the gun itself. It's about how it's employed. And uh, same applies to a DMR precision rifle. It's not about the gun itself. It's how it's employed in the fight. And that requires extra training, which is why you go to these other training schools. All right. So don't take this to mean you shouldn't be you know, considering these things earlier on. Maybe you just have an interest in precision rifles like I do. Fine. Go for it. I'm just saying it's not something that someone thinks they should need to get involved in until they need it. Now, what training do I have for the special level? Well, you're at the top of the pyramid. So the courses here are a lot more expensive and you really have to pick and choose which ones you want to get involved in versus other people in your group and what they want to get involved in. So starting off here, you're going to want to get your advanced radio license. So think in general license or extra if you have been, been practicing enough. The Brush Beater RTO Advanced Course, as well as his Signals Intelligence and Radio Reconnaissance Course. Uh, for getting night vision experience, MVT has a great night operations course. Um, there are... SIG Academy has a Does Data Marks and Training course. Um, there's other schools that offer this too. Don't think I'm just suggesting a school is the only place that does it. There's precision rifle training. Uh, there's tactical driving courses for doing vehicles. And I, I did find this one interesting. So again, shout out to Les at, at uh, uh, Polaris Simulations. But they have something called the Imgen Scout Series, which is a multi, multi-day event simulating in the field, just kind of like Special Forces does with their a capstone exercise, but simulating force-on-force exercises with, um, you know, the entire gamut of how to run an operation, right? So you want to practice, this is how you go do it. So that's how we do it. We went through our six layers of the pyramid, starting with the basics, which has got your wham and your PPE, your patrol layer, which is a very basic combat load of three rifle mags, three pistol mags, a first aid kit, and a holster, and then some extra gear like you know, your survival stuff for land navigation, signaling, note-taking gear, fire starting supplies. We talked about our sustain layer, which is an, a small backpack that stays with you, like general storage, keeps your shelter kit, extra water, some rations, uh, medical supplies, and extra ammo. Our scout layer, which is about, you know, observing what's going on in the world around you and communicating that with radios back to someone else who can take action on it. We talked about the fight layer, which is where we actually start investing more in our fighting capability with load-bearing harnesses, chest rigs, all that fun stuff. And we talked about the special layer, which is the really expensive, fun things that everybody loves to jump for because they think they need it, but there's so much that leads up to that. 
We spent a lot of time talking about our training as well. So a lot of this was inspired by the work, again, of Doc Larson, who put up a post on YouTube many months ago, and I, I had it in one of my live streams where we talked about you know, his eight-year progression of warrior training. And a lot of what I talked about today is kind of a subset of that from my perspective of how I would suggest a brand new gun owner come up through the gun owning world and gain those skills. Now, I encourage you to use this this episode uh, and the post that went with it as a reference for yourself and your friends. The big takeaway is that we don't often need as much stuff as we think we do, but buying it anyway feels good. (laughs) You know, we see pictures of cool dudes wearing cool gear and think, man, I need that. But we have to ask the question and be honest with ourselves. Have we actually covered our bases first? You know, what's the most likely thing to happen that I'm not already prepared for? And will that piece of kit help me get there? And I would bet probably not. I especially think it's a bad idea to buy gear that requires a high level of training or physical fitness that we don't possess. Solve those root things first to get the training and get yourself in shape. And then you move on to the next shiny object. And with that, thank you for listening. This has been the Everyday Marksman. I am Matt Robertson. Come on the website, everydaymarksman.co. Today's show notes are everydaymarksman.co forward slash gear. And if you liked what you heard today, I would definitely appreciate you hitting that subscribe button. And hey, if you're feeling generous, go to everydaymarksman.co forward slash support. That takes you to our Kofi page where you can buy me a box of ammo and help keep us running. Thanks for listening. I will catch you next time.